What's up, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Falcons Final Whistle podcast presented by Zaxby's. We are coming to you after a week eight defeat at the hands of the Tennessee Titans. The final score was 28 to 23. I'm Scott Bear alongside Tori McElhaney. Our partner in crime, Taryn Walk, is still uh, road tripping back, actually, with some members of the Falcons digital team. So it's just the two of us this time, and we're obviously going to get into a lot of topics that you would expect us to get into. The fact that multiple quarterbacks played in this game, we're going to delve into exactly why and evaluate the performances of each. We're also going to going to dig into what Calais Campbell told me was the first time this year that he really feels like the Falcons defense got got. And I think that's because of what everybody saw Four explosive plays for touchdown. Um, those are his words and Jesse Bates's as well. Too many explosives. And also we're just going to look at the fact that look, it's not early anymore. We're through eight games. The Falcons are four and four still around 500, which we can get into this down the road. Uh, but preview in terms of my feelings on it is I don't think eight, and nine, it's going to win the NFC South again. I just don't think so. I think they're going to have to do better and get farther away from 500. The old stacking wins cliche. Um, obviously, let's talk about the main headlines first. And that is the fact that Desmond Ritter played the first half of this game. Taylor Heineke played the second. It's not as simple as a quarterback switch because Arthur Smith went into some detail about why it kind of happened. Uh, and Tori, you wrote about this for the website. Yeah. So I'll just present the facts as they were presented to us, which was that, that Falcons go into halftime and they are losing 14 to three. They have 89 total net yards not looking very good offensively there they really and truly I think you could look at that first half performance and you can say that it was flat and there was no spark to it a lot of three and outs today so that's kind of where you were going into halftime coming out of halftime you find out that Grady Jarrett who went out in the very first defensive series with a knee injury he's been downgraded to out also find out that Desmond Ritter was evaluated for a concussion and then he cleared concussion protocol. That was something that came in at the same time was that Desmond Ritter was evaluated for a concussion. He cleared concussion protocol. So then you see Desmond Ritter come out. You see Taylor Heineke come out. Desmond Ritter puts his hat on. Taylor Heineke puts his helmet on. And then Taylor, it was the Taylor Heineke show at quarterback for the remainder of the day. So, of course, the question is what kind of – what was Arthur Smith going to say when questioned about it after the game? And essentially what he said, and this is, this is what he said, this is his words, was that Desmond Ritter was not taken out of the game for a performance-based issue. Arthur Smith said that it was because he needed to be evaluated for a concussion. Of course, the follow-up question to that is, well, he was cleared for the concussion. Why didn't he come back in? And to answer that, Arthur Smith said that he wasn't a medical professional and that he was being conservative. So that's the gist of it. Taylor Heineke goes on to score or throw a touchdown pass. He was, I think, 12 for 21 through the air with 175 passing yards. It was a pretty good showing, I think, from Taylor Heineke. He's somebody who I think that 
you know, we, we've known about Taylor Heineke for a long time. He's a Georgia guy, you know, really made a name for himself with the Washington Commanders organization and was somebody that became really reliable for them. So to me, it wasn't at all shocking that he was able to kind of come off the bench and perform the way that he did and really, I think, get the Falcons back in a position to win the game. They had a chance to go to go and win that game a couple of times. They were within reach. And so that was kind of the situation as it was presented. And I mean, I'm, I'm saying all this and I've probably been talking for five minutes and everybody's like, yeah, Tori, we watched the game. Like we, we, we know exactly what happened. We were, we were there with you. Like we watched it, but I mean, I'm just kind of, I I just want to make sure that I present all of the pertinent information so that we understand kind of where this thing goes from here. Because again, Arthur Smith was asked, where does this kind of leave your starting quarterback discussion? Is it even a discussion? Are you just, are we going to go back to Desmond Ritter? next week when they host the Minnesota Vikings at home. And he said, the game just ended. We aren't in that headspace right now. And essentially it was like, let's see how the week progresses was how it was left. Yeah. And that is, and the reason why the context is so important here and the reason why everything has to be specific is because that there had been a lot of discussion in previous weeks when Desmond Ritter had trouble with turnovers, lost fumbles in one game, interceptions in another game. The the question has come up to Arthur Smith. Did you ever think about going to Taylor Heineke after some disappointing moments or not disappointing, but some critical mistakes that Desmond Ritter uh, had in important and close football games. So with the numbers that he put up in the beginning Sometimes that's the automatic assumption, especially when you're not playing with a full deck. So I think what we're trying to do is arm is, is to allow everyone to understand the full context of the situation in as many layers as humanly possible. So he was asked a bunch of different ways. Who's going to be the starting quarterback They're uh, coming up next week. They're not ready to make those declarations in Nissan stadiums, you know, ground floor before they hopped on a plane to fly home from Nashville. So that's kind of where we are. Another part of this is that Desmond Ritter also spoke after the game. He was allowed because he was cleared from, um, after an evaluation for a concussion, um, reading almost verbatim from what Tori said here. So, since I've given credit, it's not plagiarism. But basically what she said is after the game, Ritter was asked about going through the concussion protocol. He was specifically asked if he felt off during the game. He said, no, these coaches know us like some of our parents know us, Ritter said, and they just felt like I was a little off. Um, and again, going back to Tori's words, Ritter could not pinpoint the exact play that triggered the check for a concussion. And that's pretty much what he said. And then he also said that they're going to go back in tomorrow and make sure that he wakes up fine and make sure that everything is good to go. So that's the situation there. And that is where we are in terms of knowing who's going to be the starting quarterback moving forward. There is at least a certain element of uncertainty around it because Arthur Smith was asked specifically that question and did not answer specifically with another with an affirmative, yes, it's Desmond. Yes, we're thinking of going to Taylor. They're just going to continue to evaluate based upon probably further testing and then make a decision from there. Is that 
a fair yeah, characterization? I, I think so. I mean, I, I think too, like this could be definitely something that we're, we're talking about all the way up until Sunday when the Vikings are in town. I really think that this thing could, could drag all the way through the week. This, this conversation about Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke. And, and I'll say this too, like, I know there were a lot of people that were, you know, questioning the, the whole concussion conversation of it and I'll, I will say this like I, I don't know what's going on with that I don't I'm not privy to those conversations with doctors or medical per- personnel or anything but just knowing kind of Pat in the past you know if you remember after the second game Troy Anderson played the entire game you know he played or he played or was it the first game first or second game right I can't recall yeah, what, which one I know I feel <laughs> like it was the second one but I don't want to be wrong yeah Right. Yeah. But he plays an entire game and then comes in on Monday, says he doesn't feel well. He had a concussion. And mm-hmm. and it was it, with with these things, you sometimes don't know. And, you know, I I'll, I'll give credit where credit is due where Arthur Smith was like, you know, we're trying to be conservative. Like we didn't want to to throw somebody out there who we personally didn't think was was feeling all right. And that's from what Des said. He was like, they thought I was a little off. So just because I feel like I'm not, you know, they, they thought I was. So that's just the situation as it is. But I think like moving forward, you know, I'm not going to get like into my opinion or anything like that. But I, I, I do think that this is something that we're going to be talking about for the, the week as it stands. Yeah. And there's, there's still, even with the explanations that were given, there's still some nuance within, within the timeline. What if he's being, tested right as halftime is ending and they need to go with a quarterback to start the third quarter that there's just elements of it that are missing. So it's impossible to say, you know, exactly other than the information that we have been given. Okay. That segment is now done in terms of the explain, the explanation that was given for why uh, Desmond Ritter didn't play beyond the first half. Now let's move on to a separate discussion related, but still separate that, Taylor Heineke looked pretty good. The guy's yep. got a fastball. There's no doubt about that. He looked assertive and confident in the moment. Look, he's been in this situation a ton of times before as somebody who's come in in the second half and has made, has done some good things. He's been a starter in this league for a while. That that shouldn't have been a shock, but I think it was impressive to see that he came in and in the second half, Falcons scored 20 points and they were moving the ball well. Now he was, of course... I will have to include this detail because it's just funny and it sounds like Taylor Heineke would have said it. I guess, according to him, he's in the bathroom taking a leak. God. And then and then he hears Arthur call his name and then he came out, talked to Arthur and was all of a sudden ready to go. Um, and when he came out again, I think Tori listed the stats already, but for those who don't recall, 12 for 21 for 175 yards and a touchdown. And the fourth and one play that ultimately ended the Falcons rally, which was not the play that lost them the game, but did stop a comeback attempt was Van Jefferson had a chance to make an easy catch to convert a first down and continue that endeavor. Van Jefferson said simply it it went through his hands. He just dropped it. No excuses. He has to be accountable. There was no anything about it. He knows that he should have ultimately made that play. How would you evaluate Taylor Heineke strictly on a performance level and how he did in the second half? I thought he looked pretty darn good. Yeah. I mean, I think that he provided a spark that this offense needed. I mean, you look at that first half and, and it was, 
tough sledding there for a minute. I mean, it was really, it was really like every yard felt hard to gain. And, and I, that's something that I've said about this team before is like, sometimes they're just like fighting almost against themselves to like, just get going. And that's what it felt like. It felt very much like if you go back to week three in Detroit, that start, it, it was just sluggish. And that's kind of where I felt as the first half went into the second half. And then once the second half gets in there and you put Taylor Heineke in and the chains start moving and things start happening, you get in the end zone, you build some confidence, the defense comes up with a couple stops. I mean, it, it, you feel different about it. And, and I know that it's hard, it's hard because I, I wish that we would have been able to see a, a two-minute drill led by Taylor Heineke. I, I really do. I wish that Jam Van Jefferson would have made that catch and they would have converted that first down and then they have, you know, two minutes to go down and try and win it. But that's not what happened. All we can do is evaluate what, what Taylor Heineke did in the two quarters he was given. And I thought he led the team well. I mean, I, you can't argue that the Falcons moved the ball better in the second half versus what they did in the first half. They didn't have a turnover either. And, and that's another, like, topic of conversation. The Falcons have had a turnover problem in the last three games. They've had seven turnovers in three games. That's not going to cut it. It's just not. So you don't turn the ball over in the second half either. I think that you, you took care of the ball when you needed to. All of these things go do kind of go back to Taylor Heineke. But what I thought was really interesting was after the game when Taylor Heineke is straight up asked, like, essentially, like, do you – do you think that you deserve to be the starter essentially? And mm -hmm. he goes, no, this is Desmond's team. And I think Desmond has grown a lot. I think he's done some good things. And, you know, Logan Woodside and I have, have tried really hard to, you know, help him along and help him as best as we can. And I thought that was such an interesting answer because mm -hmm. I, I think like human nature is to be like, yeah, I, I went out there and I gave us a chance to win. But the fact that he was like, no, this is still Desmond's team, I think is really a really interesting answer and one that I don't know that I was fully expecting. But I, I can guarantee you, like Taylor Heineke, I'm sure he wants that starting job. This is a kid from Collins Hill High School. A chance to play, the be, to be the starting quarterback for your kind of hometown team, even though he was a Green Bay Packers fan growing up, big Brett Favre guy, like – even in that, that would mean something to him. So even though he's saying that, like, I, I don't think that it's just like Taylor Haneke is going to, after this performance, is just going to roll over and be like, all right, Des, like, take the starting job back. I don't I don't think that's going to happen. And I think it would be better if that doesn't happen. If, if Taylor Haneke is pushing Desmond Ritter, that's only going to make, I think, both of them better because the best one's going to see the field on Sunday, in my opinion. This the way this team is structured going back to camp, everything is open competition. Doesn't matter how you got here. The best player is going to play. And I still believe that to be the case. But I think that Taylor has done a good job from the moment that he arrived on what's a pretty significant deal for a backup quarterback, six ish million bucks in, a, in the first year. Does, does that sound right? Something yeah, in that ballpark. I think so. And probably. And he came in and said, look, I'm here to be Desmond's backup. I'm here to help him. I'm here to counsel. I'm here to make a good quarterback room. That's a quote that helps make a good quarterback room moving forward. And I think ultimately that's a positive. But of course, if you're a competitor and you do want to play, this was 
it wasn't the ultimate end goal. He wanted to win this game. They didn't win the game. It's tough to say that it's anybody's fault necessarily, but it, it didn't happen that way. I don't claim to have seen every Washington commander slash foot Washington football team game that he's played, <laughs> but the style of play that we saw where he's fighting out of would be sacks, he's throwing the ball really hard in stride. That's like the best version of Taylor Heineke. Now there's another version yeah. that can be so confident and so gunslinger. Like you're talking about Brett Favre that he can kind of get himself into trouble, right. By trying to push and be aggressive. So there, there are different sides of it. And you do kind of know he's been around a 500 quarterback as a starter. He was pretty darn good. I think ultimately one Washington chose to go in a different direction, but this is what you want. And going back to what Arthur Smith said about him is this is why you go out and, and you get a guy like Taylor Heineke for moments like this. Now we don't know, you know, and, and moments like this is your starting quarterback has some concussion related tests that he has to go through. And then you need to get a relief pitcher in there who goes in and things go well. How often do we see backup quarterbacks walk in and the whole thing falls apart? That's not what happened here. In fact, <laughs> yeah. quite the opposite. It provided to use your term, which was a really good one. It provided a spark, something that you really felt the team get going. And, you know, I think that that's, that that's important. That's what you want from a number two. Yeah, I, I do think too. And this is the question that I think everyone in the Falcons organization should be asking themselves. What is it going to take to win a game? Like, if you are looking at the quarterback position, who is going to put you in the best position to win a game? Period. That should be the question. Because, you know, I I, I am war with myself a little bit. Because it's like, how much time do you give Desmond Ritter to develop and to, and to kind of, you know, he's only, what, 12 games in, 11 games in to his career as a pro? How, how, how often do you, or how long do you stick with the, the developingness of a young quarterback? And do you think that Taylor Heineke can provide you a consistency that's in the last three games you haven't had? That to me is the question. Like, do who do you think you can win with? Because the Falcons have an opportunity in front of them to be atop the NFC South. They just do with how this whole thing is constructed. So how do you get there? Who's going to be the one to lead you there? That's the question I have for, for this team. And I don't have the answer to that. That's going to come with the games, I guess, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. As you look at it, and as I mentioned before, it's, it's not early anymore. It's right. we're heading towards the second half of the season when not, I mean, every game matters, but it's those types of things that, that you have to evaluate and no, we're not going to necessarily give hard and fast answers here, but those are things that you have to look at. You have to look yeah. at both. The, it's so tough for a head coach who has to think about the short and the long-term at the same time, short-term vision, long-term goal, big picture, immediate, who can help you win a game, who can help you end a playoff drought that's been around since 2017, all these things that can show pro progress for a new regime that not new anymore, but this is also, I mean, going back to it, Arthur Blank said back, it, this quote will always keep coming back, right? He I know, in, I know, in, I know exactly what you're going to say. He said in August, it's the third year of a three-year plan. And how does that impact things, right? So you got all these questions in your mind. And 
how the uh, powers that be choose to answer them is going to be pretty interesting right over the next couple of coming weeks. And But there's obviously a medical component that has nothing to do with anything that we're talking about, and that will get right. straightened out first and obviously take priority. So any, are we good with the quarterback conversation as we've kind of set it up? I hope so. I'm sure people are listening to us like telling, having a lot, a lot different opinions than what, but honestly, we haven't really given our opinion. So the whole reason for this is that we just want to present the information and you have your opinion. Right. And, and that's the ultimate goal with it. That's what our job is as reporters, especially present the information in an unbiased way, talk about and analyze what types of questions that are going to be going through people's minds. Um, and I, I think on the other side of the ball, I, I know the quarterback part was kind of long winded, so we don't have to be quite as extensive on that end of it, but talking to Jesse Bates, right. He was asked about the defensive performance. kind of kept saying the same thing. We can't allow explosive plays for touchdowns. We can't allow explosive plays for touchdowns. And there were a lot of explosive plays for touchdowns. Uh, Calais Campbell kind of said that there were some things where they kind of got, got that it, that this was a team, a Titans team coming off of a buy at two and five, starting a rookie quarterback with an, and Will Levis with an absolute cannon and Deandre Hopkins. I don't care how old he is can still do Deandre Hopkins things. And he did some of those. Should there have been a flag on a couple? Maybe, but it doesn't matter. (laughs) What matters is that that physical play was allowed and that, they were schematically able to get some matchups that they wanted. This defense has been pretty good for most of the year. I think there were moments and times against Derrick Henry, who in person looks like a monster. And I Mm -hmm. think that they did some things that set the team up for victory, but you can't just like we always, if if we're going to be critical of the quarterback for making major game changing mistakes, fumbles, um, interceptions. If we're going to say the defense needs to get more takeaways, then we have to treat what happened here with the explosive plays in the same light. And yes, that's unacceptable, but it's, it's kind of a new wrinkle, right? We've seen some explosive plays get hit before the Mike Evans play. I believe that was a touchdown. Uh, there was one with green Bay Sam down the La- middle. Yeah. yeah. Sam it, Laporta with a, a big like, touchdown. Sam Laporta. Yeah. I mean, there have been a few and there, a lo- there have actually been a few explosive touchdowns. That's kind of been a, uh, a, a little thorn in the Falcons defense side that you can kind of get away with here and there, but when they kind of rack up to what you're saying, you know, four explosive plays and, you know, everybody can talk about, you know, however many yards, but, what was it? Two of the four were 30 plus or three of the four were, were 30 plus, And then one was 16. So these are points being put on the board and in one fell swoop. And, and that, that's not how this defense operates. This defense is an, is one that's going to like hit you hard and get off the field quick. And, and so these, these long plays that have kind of bit them in the butt here and there, a little bit really took center stage. And, but the thing is, and this is what I'll say about this defense, every single time that they have said that they want to do something different or change a statistical metric, they have done it. This is something that I was talking about throughout this entire week with this defense was that in week one, they said they wanted to, to stop the run at a, at a more productive clip. 
here they are having still, even though with the touchdowns today, they've not allowed, they've allowed one rushing touchdown this entire season. Two weeks ago, they said they need takeaways in the, against the commanders. They get to, or not the commanders. Who am I thinking of? They got two last week, two turnovers last week, sacks. They said they wanted more sacks. They got five against the commanders. Like, sorry, two turnovers against Tampa, five sacks against the commanders. Sorry. All of these games are in my head jumbled up but every time they've said that they wanted to do something they've done it and that I think provides a level of trust that when Jesse Bates sits there and says we can't have these explosive plays we've got to limit those this can't continue to happen it makes me feel pretty confident because there's a track record of of this defense saying they're going to do something and doing it and having positive a positive change in recognizing that they need to change and then changing. So I say all of that to say I'm not necessarily worried about the defense. This was obviously not the performance that we have come to know from this group at all. I would say like not even close. What like what Kalea said, they got got on a couple of uh, on a few plays. So go back to the drawing board, figure out what's going on there. If it's broken, uh, if it's missed tackles, or if it's you know busted coverage, whatever it is, figure out the issue. And I know it's not a one-size-fits-all thing, to use Arthur Smith's words, but figure it out, come back next week, and limit limit them. Yeah, and that's going to be important again as they continue to – I know nobody likes to hear the word, you know, playoffs at this point in the year, but as you're thinking big picture and long-term and you're trying to keep your goals in sight and in frame – it's about trying to – the Falcons have had a couple different opportunities to really give themselves some – not cushion, but build an above 500 record and and not just by one game or kind of falling back and forth, which is kind of what we've seen. They won two to start the year against uh, a Panthers and Packers teams that in hindsight, of course, have three wins between them. And they haven't been able to be – more consistent since that time. Now we all know it's week to week and league. I mean, the Minnesota Vikings coming up are a great example of that and coming into the year. That's a, maybe a pretty difficult game. And then they start zero and three and then you think it's a really easy game. And now they're four and three, right. Um, or yeah. I'm sorry, four and four. So those shifts happen. And I, I, I think that I asked a couple different veterans, especially those who had been, through some quote unquote stacking wins and the key component kind of they keep saying is the level of consistency that, that we just haven't seen from the Falcons to this point. And um, to that reason, they've got to find it a little bit more. Kalea is kind of even not, he's never okay with explosive plays. Don't, I didn't phrase that right. Start over. (laughs) That having as many as they had today is unacceptable. And that's about being attuned to what, as Richie Grant put it, being attuned to what the defense is being asked to do, being uh, understanding of what the Titans or the opponent is trying to do to them. Offensively, gosh, you look at it and you think if you can lower those critical mistakes, that that's what we're talking about. They don't have to be eliminated completely, but they have to be lowered to the point that the level of talent on this roster, of which there is a good amount, can overcome one or two of these issues but not three or four not the volume that they've been getting so in my opinion it's about greater consistency and 
within the concept of this week to week league thing. They just, this critical mistakes thing, how many times we use that phrase and that's where it has to change. Or you're going to look back in weeks 18 and say critical mistakes cost us a chance to realize our, our potential. And then maybe you're left short because the volume of them to, even when they've won against Houston and, and Tampa, it was still too high, right? That, that those numbers have to drop. Not everything is going to be perfect all the time. Tennessee overcame a turnover. They overcame some issues as well, but the volume is too high for the Falcons right now. That's got to go down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, I think you, you put it, put it perfectly. I mean, and I, I don't really have anything else to add. It's just kind of like, you know, at the beginning of the season, I think when the Falcons lost, they were always, especially kind of Arthur Smith would be like, you know, it's just one. That was, that was something he said. It's just one loss. It's just one. We're lucky. It's just one and not, you know, multiple, but as the season goes on, you've got to limit those just ones. Got to, got to do exactly what you're saying, which is stacking wins. And so far, the Falcons haven't really found a rhythm to be able to do that. And yes, it is a week-to-week league, but the most successful teams find ways to stack wins because right. that's what gets you to January and February where you want to be. So, yeah, I think you make a good point. Yeah, and I, I think let's just end it right there then. Um, and kind of there's going to be plenty of – things to talk about over the course of the next week heading into this week nine home clash against the Minnesota Vikings, including the injury status of Kirk cousins, which could, could be significant, have a significant factor on this uh, game and, as well. Uh, Drake, Drake London and, and, and Brady, Brady Jarrett. Jarrett and I mean, and Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke yeah. and so on and so forth. Yes. There, there were more injuries in this game than the, the Falcons have been, um, fortunate in that regard, it we, it will be interesting to see how they come out of it. I, I did was in a scrum with Drake London. He did say he's fine, but that's one of those things. Uh, probably a doctor's got to say that, um, <laughs> right, right. because Drake is relentless in that regard. So anyway, um, please rate review, subscribe to the Atlanta Falcons podcast network on Apple podcasts, Spotify, please subscribe to our YouTube video channel. Why don't you? There's lots of great stuff right there. For Tori, I'm Scott. We will talk to you again with Taryn next week. See ya.